All right. We have the Samaritan's Purse Operation Christmas Child boxes that are still out there. Um, all you got to do is grab one of these boxes, and all the instructions, everything that you need are inside. Basically, what it comes down to is we're going to send uh, Christmas gifts to kids all around the world, and with that goes the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, there's, you, there's videos. You can, there's a website, I'm sure, on the, on the brochures inside. You can watch videos and uh, just to see the kids' faces and, and the joy that it brings to them, but it brings the gospel of Jesus Christ to kids all over the world. So it's a, it's a worthwhile, very worthwhile thing. We've been doing it for, for quite a few years now. Uh, I encourage you uh, to, to go ahead and take, take part in that. Am I missing? It's, uh, it's a winning prize, the winning Bible study. Okay. Downstairs? Right here. Okay. Mom has the books for the women's Bible study. So ladies, if you've signed up for the women's Bible study or if you'd like to sign up for the women's Bible study, mom's got your book or we can order more if we need to, right? Okay. All right, turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 4, and we're going to be picking up in verse 15 today, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 15, let's cover it in prayer before we, before we start. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and, and uh, we're so thankful, Father, just to have this book sitting in front of us, Father. Uh, for any of us who have studied any kind of church history, Father, we know um, what it took and how many lives were given, Father, for this book to be in front of us today. And all of that was by your will, Father, that going all the way back to the very first writings of Moses, uh, Lord, all the way up into the writings of the apostles, Father, that we would have your word uh, and your will for our lives in our laps, Father, in, in so easily accessible to us, Father. In parts of the world, uh, they're illegal, uh, in parts of the world, people have to smuggle in one, and many families have to share one, one Bible, and we have 20 in our homes and one on our phone. Uh, and, and Father, we confess to you, we don't know it as well as we, we ought to, Father, and we don't read it as often as we should, Lord God. And that's where we ask for your grace and your mercy, Lord, and the power of your Spirit to come over us this morning while we're here, that you would touch this teaching, Father, but you would also touch each of our hearts and that you would make us hungry and thirsty, Father, for righteousness and hungry and thirsty, Father, for your word. Uh, Lord, and that we would seek not just to read it, Father, not just to say that we read through it, Lord God, but that every word that we read here, Lord, from the overall structure of this book to the, all of the meanings of it, Father, and all the ways that it points to Jesus Christ and all the promises that we have in him, Father, would be permanently burnt and, and etched into our hearts, Father. Uh, we ask, Father, that we would become people of the Word, Lord, that everything that we do in our lives, from how we operate our homes to our personal conduct, Father, to how we operate our, our jobs, Lord, or our businesses, or whatever the, the case may be, all would be from the standpoint of what does God's Word say? How ought I to be living my life? How ought I to be treating others? And how ought I to be serving God to the very best of my ability with, what, with the gifts that He's given me? Help us to be the people that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So Deuteronomy chapter 4, of course, Moses has been going over the story of the Exodus with now this next generation of Israelites who are the ones who are actually going to be going into the promised land. And of course, the word of God is, it has much to say about the first generation and the second generation, primarily the first generation who were unable to go into the promised land because of, say it all together, 
unbelief, right? Unbelief. God had made promises. God had said, this is what is happening. This is what I've already established. It's done. And like, like I can't remember which one of his, Caleb or Joshua, that's talking about going into the land. And yeah, there's giants there. And yeah, there's obstacles. Now let's go get him. You know what I mean? They are bread for us. And they weren't saying that from a standpoint of bravado or they weren't being macho or tough guys. These were men who had faith in that which God had promised and God had said was, was going to be. Because whatever God says and whatever God promises, it can't but come to pass. It can't but be. The things that God has established, no one on earth, no one under the earth, no one above the earth, no one anywhere, no thing, no, no principality, no power, no effect, no worldly government. There's nothing on the face of the earth or in the universe beyond us that can stop God's will from being accomplished. And that is such a fantastic, amazing promise that every single one of us ought to cling to with every fabric of, uh, and fiber of our being and who we are because God has made promises to you. And God has made promises to you because of what Jesus Christ accomplished by dying on the cross for your sins. He has made you, 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 sons and daughters. You have been adopted into the brotherhood. You have been brought into the very family of God, and he has personally set you aside for some work, for some service, for some ministry. What is it, pastor? I have not the foggiest idea. That's between you and God. But I guarantee you that God has a job for you to do. Do it faithfully. Do it faithfully. And remember, it doesn't matter how small, it doesn't matter how big, it doesn't matter where it is. Don't ever, 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 ever let yourself or the enemy or anyone else tell you that what you've been given to do is inconsequential, inconsequential or quenchal or either one of those or some small thing or something that's not of great meaning and great value to the kingdom because it is. Because the value and the worth therein comes from the obedience and the faith that it's done with. It's not the gift. It's not the thing itself. It's the glory going to the one whom you serve who gave it to you. And the faith in which you take that gift and you use it and you spread it out and you push it out to people around you, that's where the blessing comes from. That's where the reward comes from. That's where God begins to take place in your life, where he begins to wake you up, where he begins to open your eyes, where his spirit begins to flood through you. It's through your obedience. It's through your faith. And that's why the book says, faith without works is dead. You can say all day, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. I believe. So much I believe. I got so much belief, it's coming out of my ears. And the Bible says, so do the demons, and they tremble. But my belief, not just my belief what I say, the fact, the substance the evidence of my belief is what I do with that belief and to the effect with which I do it. And it comes from faith. Again, it's not the size, it's not the scope, it's not the magnitude. If it's taking care of your kids, if it's working your job, if it, wherever it is and whatever it is, you pray. And if you don't know, you ask God. The Bible says for those who seek wisdom, who want wisdom, ask God. It will be given to you, but it says don't ask with doubting in your heart. 
That's a double-minded person, unstable in all their ways, and let not, not that man uh, presume that they will receive anything from God. But those of you who want wisdom, who want to know, God, what it is that you want me to do with my life, and you believe with all of your heart that God has a plan for you and that he will establish it, he will. He will. So the first generation, the generation of unbelief, no matter what God said, and even after already seeing countless miracles and powerful works and wonders that God did, delivering them from Egypt and bringing them through the wilderness, when they finally got to the land, we won't go in. We're afraid. We don't believe. And God said, you certainly will not go in. In fact, you're going to wander in the wilderness until your carcasses all fall. But your children, the ones whom you said would be devoured by the land, I'm going to bring them in. And so here we are. Again, I know we're saying this every week, but it's always good to get a reminder and a refresher. This is what we're talking about. It's not just words. God is establishing something. God is saying something to the children of Israel. And understand that whenever we're reading the Bible, God is reaching out from, from the space and heavens unknown down into a timeline, past, present, and future from the time of the Israelites. And he's reaching into our time today. And he's speaking to your heart exactly the same words that Moses was saying to the children of Israel. This is not just some words that Moses said to the Israelites. This is God speaking to you as well. God, how do we apply this to our lives? First and foremost, God, let us be people who believe. Let us be people who have faith and have hope based on that faith and based on that belief and that we put it into action in our life. Simple obedience. Simple, simple obedience. There may be a whole bunch of things that you don't know whether or not you're supposed to do. Don't worry about that. God will make that very clear to you in time. The things in your life that you know you're supposed to do and the things in your life you know you're not supposed to do, work on those. God, let me be a faithful person. Let me be a faithful follower and place let there be no stronghold or no giant placed in front of me that I would for one second, one millisecond, lack in belief to know that if this giant or this wall has been put in front of me, then God has also given me the power and the ability by his spirit to strike it down. It's a beautiful truth. And that's what we're learning in Deuteronomy. And so Moses is now telling this next generation, listen, okay, this is what happened. And this is how it went down. And this is what it was. And now you're going in the promised land. And I got a whole bunch of stuff to say to you people too. Don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. Remember, parents, you ever say it to your kids? Don't forget. Then they leave and you're like, there it is. There it is. Don't, just totally forgot. Totally forgot. You know, you're saying, don't forget. And they're going, you know, and they're not listening. And that's why, don't forget. You've told me that a thousand times. Here comes a thousand and one. Don't forget. And that's what Moses is doing with the children of Israel and God is doing to you and I. He talked to them first at the beginning of chapter four about exactly who it was that brought them out of the land of Egypt. Exactly who it was who brought them out of the land of Egypt. Never forget who your God is. And that may seem simple, and that may seem trivial, but I mean it, and it's a very important thing. Never forget who your God is. 
who he is, the nature of who he is, and the preeminence that he ought to have in your life. And he begins to go down and tell them, don't be like those people who run after all these false idols and worship all these false gods and ran after all of these things that polluted their land and destroyed their lives. Listen, I say this all the time. It's one of my favorite sayings. The proof is in the pudding, right? You know what that means? I say that a lot. You know what that means? This is the best pudding. I, I, you've, I, this is unbelievable, this pudding. Unbelievable. You've never had pudding like this. Now, listen, I like pudding. I like to mix pudding with things, peanut butter, cake, whatever. I like pudding. <laughs> pudding is one of my faves. This is the greatest pudding that pudding has ever pudding, right? It's just the best pudding. You have no idea. When you taste this pudding, you're going to think, oh, you're going to curse all other puddings, right? And then I taste, I put that pudding, I take a giant ladle of it, just, and boom, and it's foul. It's disgusting. It doesn't matter what you had to say about your pudding. The proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the pudding. What God has said and the commandments that God has given us, and he's going to tell the people of Israel, test me, try me, see if my words will come to pass in your life. And look around you at the nations around you, those who have rejected my truth and rejected my existence, and see what has befallen them and become of them. And then choose yourself. There's this, there's this beautiful thing coming up in Joshua where Joshua says to the people, now choose this day whom you will serve. And I like that because it's this day. Don't choose next week, kid. Don't be choosing next week. Don't be choosing next year. Today, who do you serve? Today, who are you going to follow? Today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. Today, follow the Lord. Take heed to yourselves and diligently keep yourself. This is verse 9. Lest you forget the things your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life and teach them to your children and to your grandchildren. Now we're going to skip down to verse 15. And Moses, God says through Moses again, take careful heed to yourselves. You understand? Now, when you see this in the scriptures, you stop. Just like Pop always, dad always teaches, sorry, Pop, he's Pop, he's dad. Pastor, when he, when he teaches us, when there's a therefore in the Bible, stop. Stop. You got to find out what the therefore is there for, Right? But what therefore means is, therefore, what therefore means is that everything that has been set up to this point, don't ever start your, okay, I'm going to start my scripture reading for today. Therefore, wait a minute, wait a minute, you started in the wrong place. Back up six verses and start again. When there's a therefore in the Bible, God is saying, because of the things that were just said, here's the punchline. Take note of this. This is important. Anytime you see a therefore. Now, the same thing when God says, take heed yourselves. Take heed to yourselves. Be very, very careful. You know when your kid's talking smack, right? Your kid's talking trash, your kid's getting lippy, and you go, be very careful <laughs> about the next words <laughs> that come out of your mouth, because it may indeed mean for you life or death. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, the old adage, I brought you into this world, and I can take you out, you know? This is what God is saying, of course, in a much more loving way. <laughs> you know, God is saying, be very careful. That means stop. That means listen. That means pay attention and be very, very careful 
about what I'm about to tell you next, that you do it, that you put it into practice, that you don't forget it. Take careful heed to yourselves, for you saw no form when the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire, uh, lest you act corruptly and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female. Now, we, before we get into that, I want to go over verse 15 again. Take careful heed yourselves, for you saw no form when the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire. Now, this is at Mount Sinai that God is talking about. Remember Sinai, Deuteronomy, or excuse me, Exodus chapter 19 and verse 18 says this. Now, Mount Sinai was completely on a smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire and its, its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked greatly. Okay? And guess what the people's reaction was? <laughs> no, oh, yo, they were petrified. They were petrified. God was not trying to scare the people, okay? God was not trying to be, you know, like the Wizard of Oz. Oh, my all powerful. That's not what God was doing. God was showing them his glory. Understand this. It's not God's fault that his glory and his holiness and his righteousness can be a terrifying thing to sinful men. And don't you ever apologize for the glory of God. Don't you ever make excuses for the power of the holiness of your God. And that people get offended or shaken by it. He is God and let every man be a liar. That's what the word says. And so he descended on the mountain as he was in flame, in fire. And we're not just talking about fire like your campfire. We're talking about the holy fire of God that can consume, that can edify, that can speak. And in this circumstance and in this situation at Mount Sinai, as he's touched his foot down on the top of that mountain, the entire mountain was on a smoke like the smoke of a furnace. And the entire mountain shook and trembled. And the people said, well, only thing people can say in the presence of God, I am undone. Woe is me. That is the only reasonable response to being in the presence of God. Woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. I am unworthy. And from that standpoint, from that position of being bowed before the Lord our God, he lifts us up and he brings us to himself and he blesses us. And that's where all the blessings come from. Make no mistake, Jesus wasn't joking around when he said, everyone who falls upon this rock will be broken. Make no mistake about it. Don't, don't ever start, don't ever buy into that life enhancement gospel. My life used to be awful. I got saved. Now it's wonderful. Oh, no matter where I go, no matter what I do, everything is blessed. No, 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 no. The evidence of a person whose life has been touched by God is brokenness. Is brokenness. And Jesus said, all who fall upon this rock will be broken. But anyone on whom this rock falls will be ground into dust. Every single knee will bow 
We know this from the scriptures. And every single tongue will confess, we sing the song, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Every knee will bow. It is absolutely, unequivocally, uh, inarguably a fact. We are the blessed, chosen few who are able or given the opportunity to do it now. Freely, freely. And I don't want to be broken on the rock of Jesus Christ because I'm afraid of being ground into powder. Maybe a little bit. But... (laughs) I want to be broken because I want to be used. Because I believe that what God's word said is true. I believe that everything that he has done and everything that he has promised, he's going to establish. And I want in. I want in. And I understand from the scriptures that in order to be used by him, I first have to be broken by him. So Lord, bring the brokenness. Bring me the, the, the hours of self-loathing, right, that we talk about. Three in the morning when you're like, I'm the worst Christian, you know. I'm the Allow yourself to be broken. Because right beneath that comes in God's loving, gracious arms. And doesn't it, when you're, when you're feeling that, that conviction, and then right alongside that is yourself and maybe the enemy condemning you, and you're just feeling all that brokenness, and the Holy Spirit comes alongside of you and goes, remember me? I got news for you. I got news for you. It's putting back together time. And get up and go in the peace of God. That's the beautiful thing. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. So take heed to yourselves. You saw no form when the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire, lest you act corruptly and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth, or the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the air, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, or the likeness of any fish that is in the water beneath the earth. And take heed, lest you lift your eyes to heaven, and when you see the sun, the moon, and the stars, all the hosts of heaven, you feel driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord your God has given to all the people under the, under the whole heaven as a heritage. Uh, I want to, let's see, verse 16. Go back to verse 16. Uh, act probably make for yourselves a carved image in the form of any figure. The word there is similitude. And here's the, the, here's the definition of similitude. A counterpart or a double, right? We're talking about some, making something in the image of God for us. A counterpart or a double, a visible likeness, an imaginative comparison, correspondence in kind or quality, or a point of comparison. All of these, when it comes to our relationship with God, he forbids. All of these. Now, it's easy to just say, get it, statues. All right, note to self, don't buy a statue of a fish and bow down to it. Okay, Easy, right? Like, done. <laughs> no problem. Let there be nothing, and put this in 2020 words, let there be nothing in your life, absolutely nothing in your relationship with God, where you would take the Almighty God in His form, as He is, spirit and fire, a consuming fire, the King of the universe and the creator of all things, and conform Him into any image and any likeness of what you want Him to be. 
I understand for us the idea of idols, the idea of a, of a, of a, of a picture of a you know, half dog, half bird or whatever, it's like what, silliness to us. We look at that's interesting, part of history. Oh, there's a part lion, part we, and it's, it's poppycock from we're at the age of enlightenment here. But let there be nothing in our lives, nothing in the, in the whole world that would cause us to take Almighty God and somehow conform Him into the image that we've set up for Him. Let there be nothing in our lives where we're taking God and we're saying this is what He is and misrepresenting Him. Let there be nothing in our lives where we're trying to dilute what His Word says or dilute who He is to make Him more palatable for people. That's an idol. That's an idol. God was, and he is, and he is to come. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. This is his word, and that's the end of the story. There is absolutely no reason or right that I have to speak anything into your life that is, that is, that is separated from what the word of God says. If I'm teaching up here and I say something, hopefully you think at least you know, 90% of the messages are pretty good, but if there's 1%, if there's 2% where you're like, I just don't think that that, then throw it out. Then throw it out. If you think, or come to me and say, hey, I don't think this lines up and we can have a discussion. You are responsible to Almighty God. You are responsible to Almighty God for what this word says and how it's applied to your life. I am responsible, and Dad is responsible to the best of our simple abilities, very, very simple, very simple <laughs> abilities, to the best of our knowledge and to the best of our, with all that we have, to teach you the Word of God. This is what the Bible says. This is what God's saying here. This is what was happening here. This is what God was doing. Wow, let's cross-reference that with this verse. And isn't that exciting? And isn't that great? And and encourage you and to bless you. But ultimately, how this is applied to your life is your responsibility. And you are responsible to do it. And God does expect that of you. Only let it be pure, without any form. You know what we like to form him to now? Our feelings. You know, I, I feel, I just feel that it's just not fair, and I just don't feel that, I just don't, it's very hard for me. Okay, I'm a jerk. I'm a jerk, all right? That's my, <laughs> that's my center. <laughs> that's my id. I'm a jerk. That's what I like to do. I like to be a jerk, right? I just ask Nikki. She'll tell you right after church. And usually, I'm not really trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm not trying to be mean. But certain things I just, I, have, I'm, I don't have a lot of patience for. It's very hard. It's very hard. So forgive me. I'm telling you this now. If I'm ever talking to you and you're like, boy, you know, you're really an insensitive jerk, you know. But that's me. That's my flesh. Forgive me uh, ahead of time. God doesn't care about your feelings. When it comes, when it comes to being obedient to his word. You understand what I'm saying? Don't say, God doesn't care. I'm sad today. Too bad, sucker. God don't care. No, 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 no. That's not what I mean. Don't misunderstand it at all. When you're sad, your father's heart is sad. You understand what I'm saying? He empathizes with you. He knows who you are. You bring all. The Bible says, cast how many of our cares upon him? All. Why? He cares for you. When I say God doesn't care about your feelings, it's when it comes to your relationship with him, when you're when the practice of the the practical practicing of your faith and you're telling people about Jesus Christ and the gospel 
Your feelings don't count. Is, is that clear, that, right? Does that, that make sense? Your feelings don't count. The only thing that counts, people say, well, what do you think about this? The issues of the day, the issues of the day, whatever it may be, the issues of the day. You've probably got 16 pop-ups coming up in your head right now. Whatever, it doesn't matter what it is. What do you think about this? What do you think about, who cares what I think? Like, if I tell you this is what I think about this thing or this is what I think about that thing, that's going to change how you run your life? I hope not. Who cares what I think? And the reason I tell people that is I want them to understand that conversely, who cares what you think? What's your authority? What's your authority? You know what most people's authority is? Their own heart. That's why the Bible says the heart of a man is deceitfully wicked. That sounds nice. I'd like to be a part of that church, please. I'm a deceitfully wicked scumbag. You know what I mean? But wait a minute. But this is what the Bible says, and you have to understand what he's talking about and what he means. He's not talking about you. He's not talking about your spirit. He's not talking about your soul. Your flesh. What does the Bible say? Paul says, I know that in my flesh dwells how many good things? None. I know that in my flesh dwells no good thing. You get to make an agreement with your flesh, you've lost. You get to make an agreement and, and, and compromises with your flesh, and you've already lost. It's over. The devil's got you. There can be no compromises. There is no giving of an inch when it comes to what God's Word says. God doesn't care about the feelings of people when it comes to His Word. He expects us to be obedient to Him. Okay, let's see. Verse 19, take heed, lest you lift your eyes to the heavens. And when you see the sun, the moon, and the stars, all the hosts of heaven, you feel driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord your God has given to all the peoples under the whole heaven as a heritage. Don't you love that? Don't you love that? That God says the sun and the moon and the stars, God has given to all the people of the entire earth as a heritage. That means, do you, you, you guys think about this kind of stuff? Maybe it's just me. I used to do a lot of drugs. Maybe it's still in there. I don't know. But when I walk out at night, I'm just like, whoa, you know, at the stars. Last night, Madison and I, we left mom and dad's, and we walked out, and I just immediately go, and I'm, just, I'm flabbergasted every single time. I'm amazed at the heavens. And it's when it's a really dark night, but the sky's bright and the stars are all out. Sometimes it looks like dust, right? There's so many of them. You're looking at the Milky Way or the, the Snickers, whatever doodle it is. And it's like unbelievable. God says, that's your heritage. That's, listen to me, listen to me. Listen to me. When you do that, know that God is looking down and saying, that's for you. That's for you. So that you know I'm here. So that you know I love you. All you got to do is look up. That's why I put them there. Well, what are the stars for? What do the stars do? It's a heritage. And God gave it to you and to every other person on planet Earth, the human race, the only race that there is, right? The human race. God gave all of us a heritage that we could look up and go, whoa. God says, make sure you understand where those come from and why I put them there, and don't be driven to worship them. It's interesting, driven to worship, because all people worship. You know, the, the root of that word, worth-ship, what is the thing in your life 
that has the most worth to you. That's the thing you worship. Well, that's simplistic. No, it ain't. Ain't is simplistic. No, it isn't. (laughs) It's not simplistic at all. Whatever in your life, I'll say it again, whatever, whomever in your life that has the very most value and worth, that's what you worship. That's what you worship. Well, what do you mean? I'm not supposed to. No, no, no. Don't understand this thing. Who's supposed to be preeminent? God. Who's at the top of that list? God. We talk about Father Abraham and the faith that he showed being willing to offer up Isaac when God asked it of him as a sacrifice. I want you to now take your son, your only son whom you love, to a place where I will show you, and there I would like you to offer him up to me as a burnt offering. In Abraham's mind, Isaac was dead. Now listen. In Abraham's mind, Isaac was as good as dead. It's a three-day journey that they took to the mountain. And when they got to the mountain and Isaac said, Father, where's the sacrifice? We have the wood, we have the, we have the articles for the fire, we have the altar built, where's the sacrifice, okay? Here's what Abraham says to Isaac, God will provide himself. God will provide himself a sacrifice. And what God was showing the whole world during the life of Abraham was what he was going to do with his own son, that he was going to sacrifice him. And for three days, Isaac was as good as dead. And on that third day, when they got to the mountain and Abraham was about to sacrifice him, the angel stopped him. And in a sense, Isaac was brought back to life. Couldn't happen literally, but God was making a point. God was making a point, and he was making a point to every single one of us There ought to be nothing. There ought to be no one. There ought to be no thing in your life that is more beautiful and more precious to you than I am. And if there is such a thing, whatever it is, it's an idol. It's an idol. And we are to have no idols Verse 20, but the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to be his people, an inheritance as you are this day. Furthermore, the Lord was angry with me for your sakes and swore that I would not cross over the Jordan and that I would not enter the good land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. But I must die in this land. I must not cross over the Jordan, but you shall cross over and possess that good land. Verses 21 to 23, here's what Moses is saying. You want to know how serious God is about his name being hallowed? You want to know how serious God is about him being represented correctly? I ain't going in, boys and girls. I'm not going into the promised land with you. For your sakes... God had to kick me out, had to keep me out for your sakes. What does he mean? He's not blaming the people. Because you people are such a bunch of jerks and idiots, you made me mad. See what you made me do? You ever do that? After you kick a hole through the sheetrock? Look what you've made me do, children. (laughs) Is that what Moses is saying? Moses is saying, God did this for your sake. He's keeping me out of the promised land because why? I failed to hallow his name. I failed to hallow his name. When God told Moses, when the people were complaining, there was nothing to drink, and he said, I want you to speak to the rock. But before God had said to strike the rock, 
and then out of it would flow living water. The second time, he said, I want you to speak to the rock. What God was showing the world, what God was showing you and I, what God was showing everyone is that Jesus Christ, who the Bible says is the rock, the Bible actually says that spiritually Jesus was the rock that followed them in the wilderness. He needed to be struck one time. One time. He was sacrificed one time for all mankind. And from that point forward, we only need to ask. We only need to ask. God was making a very specific and important prophetic statement, and Moses blew it. The great Moses blew it. He didn't hallow God's name, and God said, Moses, I'm sorry. I love you, buddy. I love you. You can't go in. I can't let you go in. That's how important it is that they understand that my name must be hallowed. And since then, mothers in Israel, when they're telling their stories to, to the children, when they're putting them to bed, and they're talking about the exodus and the wilderness and the miracles that God did and about the great feats and wonders that God did through Moshe, <laughs> right? and, all the, and all the miracles that were performed with Moshe's staff. And then they'll say this to their kids, but Moshe could not enter into the land. Moshe could not enter into the promised land that God had promised us because he had failed to hallow Jehovah's name. He had failed to hallow his name. Moses said, you want to know how, it, how important it is? I'm not going in. But I'm going to keep make, I want to do the best I can to make sure that when you get in there, you don't blow it. Uh, let's see, verse 24 uh, verse 23, I'm sorry. Take heed, here it is again. Take heed to yourselves, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of anything which the Lord your God has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. I want to finish with this. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 25 to 29. This is what the writer of Hebrews says. See, that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, how much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. Remember Mount Sinai. But now he has promised, saying, yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. What's he talking about here? The natural versus the spiritual. You understand? The natural versus the spiritual. We are born natural human beings, natural men and women. And that is the same word as sinful. We are sinful beings. We are natural beings. We are born that way. God seeks to usher us in to the family of the Spirit. You understand? The family of the Spirit. That's that living water that Jesus Christ talked about with the woman at the well. That's when he said to her, all who come and who, who worship must worship in spirit and in truth. 
And we must put away the things of the flesh. We must put away the natural things. What the writer here is saying is that everything is going to be shaken again so that the natural things are done away with and only the spiritual remain. And that goes all the way down to judgment day. The only people who are going to be with the Lord, the only people who are going to be in heaven are those people whose lives were born again and they were ushered from the natural into the spiritual. You know why? Because those things cannot be shaken. But it's interesting because the writer says heaven will also be shaken. And understand this, God has no problem shaking your faith. God has no problem. Peter talks about making your foundation sure. The way that you would shore up a foundation of a home or, or a bridge that goes across a mighty river. Make your foundation sure. And God has no problem shaking our faith and, sh and testing our faith to make sure that we're strong in it. And the, uh, we are indeed in the faith. And so the writer of Hebrews says, I want yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, that is the natural, as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. That's your faith in Jesus Christ, my friend. That's your faith in Jesus Christ. Therefore, uh-oh, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence, with reverence and godly fear. I remember when, when um, uh, reality shows were a new thing. They were kind of new. Remember Jessica Simpson? And Nick Lachey had a show. They were new, they were, it was called Newlyweds or something. I, listen, it's confession time. There's always a point in my message when confession time begins. I watched it religiously. I watched that show. Nikki and I would sit there and watch that show. We were newlyweds at the time. I mean, it was years and years and years ago. And we would watch that dumb show. And, <laughs> you know, it was so cute. And, I was so, and it, it didn't last, you know. But I remember she was wearing a T-shirt or something. And it said, Jesus is my homeboy. Okay? Listen to me. I'm your homeboy. You know what that means for those of you who didn't grow up anywhere near a city? My, I'm, your, I'm your homeboy. You know what that means? I'm your friend. I'm your confidant. You can call me. You can call me. I will be there for you. If you need me, that's my job. Up to and including, it's supposed to be laying down my life. Now, don't test that theory. That's what that means. I'm your homeboy. Jesus Christ is not your homeboy. Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior. He is your great God, and he is a consuming fire. And he ought to be worshipped with reverence and godly fear. And here it is, for our God is a consuming fire. A consuming fire. We have that scene that the scriptures talk about where we're all standing before the judgment seat of God. And God's eyes are set upon us and everything in our lives, everything in our lives that's made of wood, hay, and stubble, all the stuff that we did in the flesh, all the stuff that wasn't really for God, all the stuff that didn't pertain to his kingdom, the Bible says is just going to be burned away. God is a consuming fire. But guess what happens when fire touches stuff? The dross, the wood, the hay, the stubble, it's immediately burned away. But that which is precious, that which is precious, and that which is refined through fire remains. And that's exactly what your faith is. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for your word. 
thank you, Lord God, for the promises and just the, uh, the overabundance of, of, of portions where you show us your glory and who you are, Father, in your word. We pray, Father, that we would, we would own this information, Lord, that we would own this information and you as our God, uh, Father, that we would be subservient to you in everything, Lord, in every aspect of our hearts and our lives. We would be given to you, Father. At such great a cost, our salvation was won, the blood of your own Son, Jesus Christ, Father, who you sent by your will, Father, and he free, freely of his own obedience obeyed to come and become a man, and we don't even know <laughs> how all that works, Father, but we're so grateful, and we're so thankful that he did that for us and that you did that for us. And Lord, we ask and pray that you would help us to just represent you correctly, Father, first and foremost in our own hearts, that there would be nothing in, in us and in our emotions and in our minds that would allow us to put you in a box where you don't belong or to put you in a form or put you in a shape that you don't belong in, Lord, and that there would be idolatry in our life. Lord, help us to be truly servants of you, Father, always on our knees saying, your will be done, your will be done, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we pray that you would guide us and that you would continually be filling us with your spirit. Give us the ability to do the things that we, we confess to you are beyond us, Lord. Touch our unclean lips, Father, with the burning coal of your Holy Spirit, that we would be anointed, that we would be refined, that we would be strengthened, Lord, that our faith would be bolstered. And the hope, the hope of glory, the hope of the soon return of your son, Jesus Christ, would become so large and so great in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives, that it would be impossible for people not to see it in just a moment of our presence. We pray that you would help us to have the compassion and love of our Savior, to never judge people, to never be angry with people, but to be compassionate and to show love to all, because every single one of them, every single person, Lord, on the earth today, you gave them the stars too. You gave them the moon too, Lord, as a heritage of your love and the fact that they were created in your image. Help us to reflect it properly, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.